Hello, and thank you for tuning into Answers from the Lab, where we share Mayo Clinic knowledge and advancements on the state of testing and science from laboratory leaders and the people who are making it happen behind the scenes. I'm Dr. Bobby Pritt, a clinical microbiologist and the chair of the Division of Clinical Microbiology at Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. With me today is Dr. Bill Maurice, the chair of the Department of Laboratory Medicine and Pathology at Mayo Clinic and the president of Mayo Clinic Laboratories. This is our weekly discussion with Dr. Maurice in which we learn about updates in laboratory testing during the COVID-19 pandemic. Well, welcome back, Bill. Great to see you and talk to you. Happy New Week. Yes, happy new week. So, you know, we just celebrated Laboratory Professionals Week, and that was April 18th through 24th. And boy, that was just so amazing, seeing all the fun things people were doing and celebrating their accomplishments. And of course, it made me reflect back on this past year, just how laboratory professionals throughout the whole pandemic came together, uh, spending their days and nights fighting COVID. And, you know, I really liked one of the things you did where you asked everyone in the Department of Laboratory Medicine and Pathology here at Mayo Clinic to list one of their accomplishments over the past year during the pandemic. What were some of the things that you took away? Because I was really impressed just seeing all of the accomplishments that everyone had during the pandemic. Yeah, it was pretty humbling, actually, to see all those come back and look back. To start off with, I think Lab Week this year was really special, much more so than prior years just because of so much that's happened and the critical role of the clinical labs in responding to the pandemic. The one thing that, as I looked across all the different things that people were celebrating from the past year, uh, from the lab perspective, was just how, how much everyone stepped up. You know, the pandemic impacted every single area of DLMP, every single area of, of Mayo Clinic, and I'm sure it's uh, true for every clinical laboratory and every hospital and healthcare system out there. So in the midst of all that uncertainty, in the midst of a lot of fear and uncertainty of, of people's jobs and other things and how much people just stepped up, how willing people were to take on a new task, to deal with a lot of ambiguity, especially for those who had children at home being asked to come in and, and work different shifts. I mean, just a lot and how much every single area of the department stepped up and the sacrifices that people made. That to me was the most telling. And also, but a sense of energy from that too, because it it was also an opportunity, you know, with everything going on around us in the world with COVID-19 was actually a chance to make a difference. So I think that people were really proud that they were able to do things in all sorts of areas, you know, in transfusion medicine, helping with convalescent plasma, in clin micro, of course, with all the testing and other laboratories stepping up the mass spec, clinical biochemistry, immunology, looking for assays to predict for who was going to really get sick or other ways to detect the virus. So just amazing. The other thing is how much innovation and ingenuity and creativity people exerted in terms of responding to the pandemic. And that's not just in terms of doing the testing and creating the tests in the lab, but other things too, digital pathology being a big one, right? People really embracing that. The concern going into the pandemic before it started was how much are people going to be willing to embrace a digital pathology workflow when we have literally centuries of looking at glass slides and people stepped up, were willing to, to pitch in and understand it. And, you know, luckily we have been growing our digital pathology infrastructure here. So the timing was right. And as a, for instance, an autopsy going to a completely digital autopsy service and actually getting some of our consultants who are actually overseas when the pandemic struck, getting them being able to still participate and contribute and sign out. So those are just a couple of examples of a lot of ingenuity that happened, which was really 
awe-inspiring to see. Another area which I'm kind of curious about from your perspective was we saw a big push towards at-home testing or at-home collection of tests coming out of it is, you know, how far did we get with that? And is that something that's going to really continue, do you think, past the pandemic? Yeah, that's a great point, though. I would agree with that. First of all, I'll say, yes, this has been a year of innovation, ingenuity, invention. Thankfully, we've been laying the groundwork for all of this. And I would say that at-home collection and at-home testing has been one of those areas then that just really saw a growth during this pandemic. We had been working on this. Of course, we've been doing at-home collection and microbiology for years, collecting you know all sorts of specimens, urine, sputum, stool, etc. But now just that expansion of being able to send a nicely packaged kit to someone's house, have them collect the specimen, and either then do the test right then and there in their home or sending it back to a laboratory to do a more high complex test. And that really has played a large role during this pandemic in our laboratory response. The ability to collect specimens from people and they don't have to come in and maybe wait in a crowded waiting room or sit in their car in a long collection line. It added an element of convenience, but also safety that I think we just hadn't really embraced before. I think back to when I was a resident and I worked in the urgent care clinic for Mayo and right before Thanksgiving, it was in the, during the holiday season, just like a four hour wait because people wanted to get their kids a strep test before they went on to see relatives, right? Mm-hmm. Just how much that's going to change now with the at-home testing and people getting comfortable with it and all the infrastructure, the apps yeah. and, and tests and other things that have been created. It's going to be really interesting to see. Uh, There's still a lot of uncertainty, though, too, I think, in terms of what's coming ahead with COVID and and testing. Yes, and I think at first we were stepping up to just provide sufficient testing and trying to get all the best tests in just to get sufficient uh, capability to meet our patient demands. Now it's about sequencing for tracking variants, identifying new variants, and I think that we're not entirely clear what role that's going to play clinically, but I can imagine if there ends up being a variant that's really clinically important, we might have specific tests in the future, maybe like a multiplex PCR nucleic acid amplification test with a panel of different variants, so you can do a quick test and find out which variant a person has. So that, I would say, is still uncertain what role that's going to play. I guess the take-home message is that the laboratory is going to continue to play a large role in our pandemic response. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think it's interesting, even as you're speaking, where we are today in the pandemic is an interesting juncture that I know many of us, at least myself, didn't really anticipate or think a lot about. I think in the early days of the pandemic, I remember as being at the White House when Trump was announcing everyone who wanted a test would get a test. And you're thinking, gosh, the tests don't even exist. It was from that Herculean effort really across the labs. And that's both from the test manufacturers and the clinical labs to stand up the testing. It's been such a, a, a huge effort. Now you get to a point where it's kind of how do you transition to a run state? You know, and this is something actually that's interesting is brought up to a colleague of mine who has military experiences. They talk a lot about it's actually much more difficult the stand down process as opposed to the stand up process. So I think now as we transition to kids being back in school and what's the best way to test them, that clearly the Biden administration and the federal government want to provide funding to do this, but what's the best way to use that funding? How do we actually set up the sequencing? What's the right way to do it? And there's a lot of questions that need to be answered that will be important for the labs to stay engaged and the clinical labs to stay engaged because we still have the expertise and the know-how to, to advise those decisions, not just on standing up the tests, And also, I think to your point, we have to really be invested now and say, okay, what do we take from what happened and invest in creating a different future state? 
So what is the role of an at-home test? What is the role of that school testing? Because, you know, we, we might not be as willing to put up with some things that we put up with before, like a lot of kids at school being sick and things like that and trying to be more proactive in preventing the spread. So it's an interesting time, but there's actually in many ways more questions to be answered now from the clinical lab than there were in the early days, although when there was just one massive question in terms of how we're going to do COVID testing as our chair of the Department of Lab Medicine and Pathology and the president of Mayo Clinic Laboratories, what would you foresee that we would take away to be better prepared for the next uh, global pandemic? What should laboratories be doing now? Advocacy in working with public health, right? Because really public and private laboratories and public health in the United States and working collaboratively with your local public health officials to really understand uh, testing paradigms that might be helpful. I think that's happening at the federal level and need to happen at the state and local level as well. That'll be really important because now I think we're going to see a, an interest both in the United States and globally in terms of investing in the diagnostic infrastructure because I think that's one thing that the hard lessons of the pandemic, there's been a lot of hard ones around equity and access to healthcare, but there's also been a big part of that then is the diagnostic infrastructure, and that there's some parts of the country, some parts of the state of Minnesota, some parts of the world that have a really a lot of access and some that have very little, but that's really going to be the driver for healthcare equity and, and actually staying out ahead of these emerging pathogens. So to really be keep your ear to the ground, this isn't a time to say, well, the pandemic's over, go back to the status quo, to stay active, to stay engaged to get involved in leadership discussions at your hospital and your labs and in, with the public health labs. I think those will all be critical because people are going to be trying to decide how to invest in this. And so who better to say than the clinical lab, right? Just right. doing the best. Well, I would agree. And putting on my education hat from my former role as vice chair of education for our department, I'd say we need to invest in our laboratory professionals, our laboratory leaders. Sure, of course, but also just our boots on the ground laboratory technologists. And we know there's a shortage of laboratory technologists, medical laboratory scientists across the U.S. and probably other parts of the world. So how do we make sure that we have sufficient workforce for the future? Yeah, it's a great point. They've talked about the quote Fauci effect of people, you know, wanting to go into medicine. Yeah. I think we have to keep in mind that there's a lot of great careers, a lot of great ways that people can contribute to, to health and well-being through working in the clinical lab. So we need to make sure that we attract and use this as an opportunity to create opportunities for people. I agree completely. Well, lots of good lessons to be learned and we'll continue to learn, I'm sure, from the ongoing pandemic. Let's Thanks hope so. Sharing. Yeah. Yeah, I want to keep learning because that's what, that makes me feel young anyways. I'm not kidding. <laughs> I keep getting coming in every day with a new challenge. Hopefully yeah. not quite as overwhelming as the one we got a, year, a little over a year ago. So like, I think keeps us on our toes and keeps us, keeps us energized. Yeah, we're always learning. Well, thanks for sharing your thoughts with us, Bill. And have a great week. You too. Thank you so much for tuning in to Answers from the Lab. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and don't forget to tune in every Thursday and every other Tuesday.